This is Point of View with Chris Berg. Good evening and welcome to Point of View. I'm Chris Berg. Thank you so much for joining us. Earlier today, we did a live stream town hall with Congressman Kelly Armstrong, talked about a myriad of topics. There was some breaking news regarding refugee resettlement per President Joe Biden. So here's part of our conversation with Congressman Kelly Armstrong from earlier today. Congressman Kelly Armstrong, welcome to this live stream. We're going to be doing this, look, sounds like every other week, as long as it fits your schedule, give you a chance to do kind of these live stream town halls and take some questions. So uh, as people jump in here, if you have some questions for Congressman Armstrong, uh, please share them. We'll do our best to get to. I want to start with this, sir. Breaking news. Uh, President Joe Biden was just at the State Department, made a big announcement. He says, hey, we're going to raise the level of refugee resettlement to 125,000 in his first fiscal year. Uh, we haven't hit that number since 1992. And as you know, now that Lutheran Social Services is no longer here, the state's going to be taking over refugee resettlement. Just your thoughts and comments. Well, and I think that's important, Chris, right? Because when when we, this is actually an area where we have statutorily given authority to the White House. So it is, I think now more than ever, it proves why it's important that North Dakota is involved. Because it, the question won't be if, but when and how it is, how it's developed. So, but I do, I have a lot of questions. You know, we dealt a lot with this issue um, in judiciary last time. It's obviously been a hot button issue in North Dakota for the last couple of years. And we want to make sure at the very, very least that North Dakota communities are involved in how this process works. And oftentimes is the case that that isn't always the case. So. Uh, I know the Lutheran Social Service stuff, and they had a lot of different issues. They were actually pretty good at, at, at some of this. And I'm just glad that we have the state involved to be able to help with this. Because what the last thing we want is the federal government just saying, here's, here's the number, here's where they're going, and deal with it. Well, my interpretation from Governor Bergen was that's kind of how it is. I mean, even though the state's going to be running it, it's a federally run program. And the interview I had with them as of late, it made it sound like, you know what, we don't really have a lot of say in this, Chris. Well, there, I mean, there's a certain there's there's a say in yes and there's a say in no. But having our involvement and having an ability to deal with some of these things and knowing how uh, the pro program's working and, you know, auditing the program are going to be important. And it's always a good. I mean, yeah, they, I mean, Department of Human Services is going to be limited on what they can do, particularly under an order like this. But at least we're going to have involvement and be able to be part of the conversation, which is always better. Particularly in politically charged issues. I asked uh, Governor Bergen the same question I'll ask you. You look at our Native American brothers and sisters, typically higher unemployment in that demographic. And now we're going to bring in refugees. Um, the resettlement program is going to increase. Many people say, hey, this is basically cheap labor for corporate America. How does the refugee resettlement program put Americans first? Well, I mean, that's that's the real question. Right. But it also I mean, there's also I mean, the, the uh, humanitarian um, part of this. And I think it's you know, like I said, I told you before offline, I, I've been in a consumer protection hearing for four hours before this interview. So I have more questions than answers. But, yeah, I mean, it is it's serious to have that conversation because what we don't want to happen, not just in North Dakota, particularly when we're in an economic crisis and a pandemic, that we are putting more burdens on particular communities they can, than they can bear at this point in time. And that's nothing against people coming in and, I mean, doing this and being able to help where we can. But we do have to be able to look at, I mean, whether it's taking down the wall, immigration, all of those issues, these are kind of the wrong policies for the wrong time right now without having a serious look at it. 
So you just maybe answered Gene's question since this is a live stream town hall. Gene Lund is asking, hey, do you think North Dakota needs refugees in these times? What say you? Well, and I think that quite, I mean, this is where it gets really different, right? That that question in Watford City and Fargo might not be the same. It just might not be. And, and we that's why I'm glad we at least have um, the North Dakota government. And it's tough for them, right? Because it's always a political issue. No matter what, people are going to get, it, it raises passions on both sides. People get really fired up about it. But at least we want North Dakota people, or North Dakota government involved in how this conversation moves forward. All right, let's talk about this. The uh, COVID relief bill, um, you guys had a vote on it yesterday, essentially to put it in the right terms for reconciliation. I don't want to get too wonky here, but you voted against it. Why? Knowing that, hey, people people need help right now. Well, so the COVID relief bill, one, there's a couple things. And two, I, I supported all of the programs at the beginning because we were at the front end of a crisis and you could do things quickly or you could do things perfectly. But we've had a lot of time. And, and regardless of how you feel about additional checks and those types of issues, it obviously has to be more targeted. People making $300,000 a year or somebody working for the federal government who hasn't lost a paycheck over the last eight months isn't in the same position as a lot of people, quite frankly, in North Dakota. Dakota are. And it's it's inexcusable to do those types of things, but also with reconciliation. And we're going to deal with the budget here probably tomorrow when they're going to use this program. And by the way, we've used it as well when we're in the majority. We have to talk about before we know where anything is at, we need to know where things like $15 minimum wage are falling in that spectrum and how we're doing it. Because otherwise, I mean, this is really the first step to getting rid of the filibuster. Do you support the $1,400 um, added stimulus check for Americans at the certain not market. as it's not as it's written now. No, I don't. Really? Because there is no tar- I mean, there is no targeted relief. A family making three hundred thousand dollars a year will get that check. That's not how government works. I support it for people who need it. Listen, I've pushed back on other Republicans in Congress about un- extending unemployment insurance because I've seen what has happened in the oil patch. Right. This isn't just low income jobs where people are. I mean. You know, the knock is they're always sitting there because they, they're getting paid more to sit at home than they are to work. And that may be the case. And again, we should have better guardrails. But we also have families that have really, really good jobs that are unemployed through no fault of their own. And we have to figure out a way to deal with it. But at this point in time, this significantly needs to be more targeted and cannot just blanketly apply whether the whether the person receiving it needs it or not. So two things. One, I, I thought it was $150,000 cash. I, I could be wrong on that. But so yeah, what, 300000 a household. So, wow. Um, so what kind of target would you be saying? Okay, I'm okay if we're sending out another $1,400 to, to who specifically? Yeah, and so I, I think the, bipart- or the, the group of Senate Republicans have talked a lot about that. And I'm not so, I mean, I'm more interested in making sure, I mean, we can all quibble what the top number is, but let's at least attempt to target this and get it to the people who need it and not just do it to give it to everybody. It was the same reason I opposed it under President Trump as well, is because it was just simply a blanket send them to everybody, whether they, whether they needed it or not. There are a lot of people suffering right now, Chris, but there are a lot of people that have not missed a paycheck in a year. And that and that is that is not that is a distinction that needs to be addressed. Let's talk about a bill that you are now that you introduced recently to get the construction back going with the Keystone XL pipeline. I want to remind our audience that you are now on a very prominent uh, committee, the Energy and Commerce Committee. Um, I guess, bottom line, what are you trying to do here? And most importantly, can it pass? Uh, I'm a glass half full skeptic. (laughs) Uh, There are my colleagues in energy producing states on the other side of the aisle that have 
I mean, that have been pro some of these things in the past, but now instead of just talking about it, we're going to need action items from them, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat in Texas or New Mexico, or they need to deal with all of this. Um, but this bill is really pretty simple. It gets rid of the presidential permit. It allows for private equity in the future to continue to build these projects. Because remember, whether it's a pipeline, a highway, a transmission line, you're never going to have this thing done by the time you deal with the nuisance lawsuits in every state and all the different federal permits within four years. So if you can just end these projects at a time in the future when they've complied with everything by the stroke of a pen because there's a new person in the White House, we are going to absolutely destroy infrastructure in the heartland of America. I want to ask you a question. I asked this to Senator Hovind because he's on the energy, the Senate Energy Committee and also the Indian Affairs Committee. So hypothetically, let's say Deb Holland becomes Secretary of Interior. She'd be the first Native American to hold a cabinet position. Um, you hear the Biden administration talking a lot about equity. MHA Nation is a sovereign nation. Is, is Does the Secretary of Interior and or the president, and you're an attorney, have the authority to potentially come in and say, hey, North Dakota, sorry, but MHA Nation's a sovereign nation. They get to keep every penny of the tax revenue coming off these sovereign lands. In North Dakota, you get nothing. Uh, no, and I think that would get litigated forever, but I think it's important. I, like, I, I told you this last time. I'm glad they've exempted federal lands. I, I mean, this are Native American lands. MHA is a huge part of the North Dakota energy, energy picture, and we need them to be that in the future. But th this, this is the same argument for them that it is for North Dakota. They have to get that product to market. At the end of the at the end of the reservation border, that product is not able to be sold. At the end of the North Dakota border, that product is not able to be sold. So these fights, we're all in these fights together, and we need to come together and figure those things out. Have you or are you thinking about reaching out to Chairman Chairman Fox and saying, hey, can you help us talk to the Biden administration to keep oil flowing through Dapple? Yeah, and I think he has a relationship with him. We were actually going to do it last week, but then the order the order came out where I mean we they were banned, and then the second part of it was banned. So we're trying to get our sea legs under us and figure out where we're at, what our fight is. But yeah, I, I mean I've worked with them on these things before, and I mean we have to be partners in this. I mean we're there there are issues we disagree on. There are always going to be issues we disagree on, but we have to be partners in this because they're I, again they're in the same position. They produce a lot of things that they don't consume there. And the new fight is in transportation and it's not gonna be necessarily in North Dakota or, or, or Montana or South Dakota. It's, I mean, we've seen it with Enbridge in Minnesota. We've seen it Enbridge in Michigan, Duke and Dominion on the East Coast, Williams Pipeline into New York. This is the fight and we need to be, we need to have everybody who, who cares about this industry as a way to support our economy and support our citizens to be ready to have that fight. Congressman, I want to bring this to people's dinner tables right now. Just before we came on the air, I saw, uh, I think it was Farm Policy tweeted out that um, the U.N. has now said that in, in food inflation hit a six and a half year high. You see what's going on with energy prices, with all this climate change agenda from the Biden administration. Like, help me understand what potentially could happen here as far as raising my energy prices and my food prices. If we're so focused on climate change, what can we expect? Uh, I think you'll see skyrocketing, skyrocketing prices, and we don't have to go very far. We can look at it in California on the West Coast, but you can look at Germany and their clean energy plan that started 12 years ago. And the unfortunate side effect of this, Chris, is it's all about politics. It actually doesn't make the environment safer. We don't have the technology or the capacity to do what they want to do. Wind energy has never been baseload energy, right? We don't have 
the materials that exist in any quantifiable uh, amount on the planet to convert our, our fleet of cars from 1% electric to 10% electric. That is the truth. This hurts the lower middle class and the poor because their actual monthly bills will go up, but it also hurts people all across this country. The first person to reach out for reach out to me on the pipeline issue before I ever even introduced the bills, a guy named Brian Stiler. He's a congressman from Wisconsin, and he had a guy from his district driving through North Dakota because he had just got laid off the Keystone XL pipeline going home to Wisconsin. This isn't just a North Dakota, Montana, South Dakota issue. The vast majority of these pipeline workers are union workers, and they do a great job. And they're not from here. They're from all over the country. I'm going down to South Dakota to do a thing with uh, Representative Johnson and Representative Style on Monday to talk to the people who now, I mean, talk to businesses and workers who now have nothing in the tank because of this executive order. So let me share something with you. This is uh, Gina McCarthy, former head of the EPA. She's now the National Climate Advisor for the Biden administration. She put out a video on Saturday talking about um, the intersectionality of climate change, which I just want to play this for you and give you a chance to respond. The very solutions that we need to deploy to fix climate change are going to be the solutions that we need to grow our economy again. We're talking about good jobs, good paying union jobs, and meeting the needs of individuals all across this country in every community. Your reaction, sir? Well, I'm interesting if she's talking about a lithium mine or a cobalt mine being permitted in the United States, because those are the things we need for green energy to work in any re reliable fashion. They don't exist. And I listen, I you and I've talked about this. I'm trying to tone down the rhetoric because I think it's important for people to hear it from a responsible standpoint. But that's just not true. It's not true. It's not true. That's not how this will deploy. And even if it does at some time in the future, it is not ready to deploy in any kind of way that will solve the immediate employment needs of, of union workers or anybody across the country. It's just not so, true. So let me ask you this. Um, you're an attorney and you look at Texas, they filed a lawsuit regarding the uh, no new permits on federal land. North Dakota seems like we could have some you know, friendly courts speaking out of the way the Democrats often do. What can we be doing here in North Dakota and across the country, maybe to speak to North Dakota Attorney General Wayne Stengem, or what are some suggestions we can do to help fight back? Well, I, and I think that's all going on, right? North Dakota's problem on federal lands is a little unique in that we have a lot of commingled acreage. You know, in Wyoming, Texas, Montana, their federal acreage is usually large and blocked. And once you get uh, into Western North Dakota, and a lot of it has to do with Sakakawea and a lot of different things with the rail lines when they came in, but there's a lot of intermingled acreage and we don't even know how that affects it yet. But we need to, I, 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 we've said this, we need to do everything in our power to challenge every single one of these because the, 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 the impact on North Dakota's economy cannot be overstated. But so for the people watching, would you say, hey, people in North Dakota, you know, reach out to North Dakota Attorney General? Should it be a legislature thing? Like how do we... Uh, no, I, I think actually, and I know that the attorney general's office is studying this. What you don't want to do is to jump in and, and everybody does this at their own rate, but um, we have to do it. But this can't be a press conference lawsuit. This has to be one that we have studied the issue. Uh, we have a real colorable legal claim because we can't just do this for press releases and those things. We have to we have to do everything we can to win it. I want to get your take on this. Um the ag secretary had a senate confirmation hearing this week and you look at north dakota we grow a lot of corn we produce a lot of oil 
What's your take on the small refinery waivers regarding oil? Should should the Biden administration get rid of those and help ethanol, or where are you at with that? Well, I, I mean, so some of it is what is what is legal, what is being challenged, what is part of the EPA authority. I think uh, um, Secretary Vilsack is you know as good a choice as we were going to get from this administration. Everybody. Thank you so much to Congressman Armstrong. I want to remind you, I think every other week we're going to be doing these live stream town halls. If you want to join us and uh, ask Congressman Armstrong questions, please be sure and join us. It looks like every other Thursday afternoon we'll be doing that with him. All right, stay with us. When we come back, we've got the CEO of Make-A-Wish North Dakota, Giving Hearts Day, coming up, talking about what we can do to help this outstanding nonprofit. As always, please share your point of view with us. You can email us, text us, leave us a voicemail. We'll be right back.